Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Transit Podcast. We have a really special one today. Uh, this is the clinical help episode where we have an actual professional in here and not just me rambling all the time. So uh, let me introduce Taylor Manning. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on. This is cool. <laughs> this I is like cool. This. Your yeah. first podcast. Yep. First one. This is sweet. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I feel like every one of mine is my first one. I get nervous before every single one. Really? But this one, I feel like there's like, people are really wanting to hear this one, uh-huh. all the feedback I've got, so good. I'm hoping it's going to be good. Good, yeah, hopefully we give them something to take away from yeah. all this, right? So, Taylor, what is, what's your background? Um, where do you want me to start, man? Um, so, background, I am a clinical social worker. So I have my master's in social work. Um, so I kind of got my bachelor's in psychology up at Utah State. And then I came down here to Salt Lake. I'm from Salt Lake originally, so I came back okay. home kind of. Went to the University of Utah for my master's. Um, I did like a few internships or practicums is kind of what we call them up there. Um, practicums at Odyssey House, so some drug treatment center, and then I did another one out in Bountiful at OCD and Anxiety, the OCD and Anxiety Treatment Center, mm-hmm. so I learned a lot about anxiety, OCD, all that kind of stuff, um, and now I'm working at a private practice for uh, one of the professors up at the University of Utah. Oh, it's a so. private, that's a private practice that the professor owns? Yeah, yeah, so the one that I work at right now is I'm, I kind of found it through one of the professors up at the university. I kind of just kind of hit it off with him, and we were kind of friends, and I was just looking for opportunities. And so he actually took me on as a student, and then I just kind of transitioned right into kind of having my own little clientele and worked out of his shop. Sweet. Yeah. And that's a, that's Compass. That's Compass, yeah. That's Compass Counseling and Consulting. And we met because I am one of your what would you call it clients yeah call it whatever you want yeah. yeah so when i had my my big not good time in life my big breakdown right it started and i've gone through this in a couple previous podcasts but i tried going back to my original therapist uh-huh he's a great dude but it's just like it was 10 years gone by so we were just different places right for sure and then i found another one couldn't work with my insurance and then finally I found you through i don't even know how I found Compass Counseling, but I remember like reading everyone's bios on the website, and it was between you and Gray. Right. I still, I don't think I've ever met him. Yeah, I remember you saying that. But I needed to get in like right away. Right. Yep. And you were available. And it worked. And here out. we are. And here we are. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I actually remember that because uh, this is an interesting topic just for therapy in general. Is just like that fit with whatever therapist you're working with, like how huge of a deal that is. Even disregarding sometimes like the knowledge that a person has, sometimes it is like that connection that you have with somebody or just like that like relationship. Like that's like the number one thing that matters in therapy a lot of times. So it's always interesting. And I feel like a lot of people uh, get discouraged by trying to go to therapy because of that same reason of like having to shop around. Yeah. Which there's no easy way to say it. Sometimes you do. Yep. Oh, you totally do. Yeah. Uh, I've gone to a couple where I was just like, this is not for me. And then, yeah, you get someone that where like it clicks and you just are buddy buddy instantly. And then that, then you kind of feel like you're in a better place to chat. And, oh yeah. And go with whatever. But those first, yeah, those first, uh, that first hour. Oh yeah. It feels like you're sitting there just <laughs> being like, Hey, hi. What's uh, up? What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. It's been interesting. I've heard a lot of stories of like, 
I know that I've been like the fifth guy on some people's list and like we kind of hit it off and we make it work. And then I've also been like the first guy on somebody's list and they've probably moved on from me and like found somebody that's a better fit for them. So we're not all one size fits all, but uh, it is interesting to see the different fits and the different stories. Like I had one person come in and they're like, oh yeah, like my therapist like fell asleep while I, they were talking to me and I was like, oh, oh dang. That's and, rough. Yeah, there's like that and some therapists would just like first session come out firing and like not have much background say like offensive things sometimes like therapists or people and depending on their mood they might get triggered or ticked off or be a little more assertive than uh than that person's wanting them to be on that day so there's a lot of factors that play into finding that fit with a therapist i think it is kind of rough i can't even imagine i feel like when people first go in if they're willing to accept it maybe they are waiting to have someone fire off at them because they just need to hear something else right but now that I've been going to you for so long. Uh, I can't imagine not like just having sessions of just like random chats that aren't necessarily about any of my problems or anyone's current problems at first. Right. Like, I, like what you just said, I don't feel like you can even approach how to navigate some like navigate someone's headspace without knowing some sort of background about them. Right. Yeah. How do you approach everyone's like first session? Like, what's kind of like, do you have like a checklist of like, okay, I have a new client? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say, and mine's pretty liberal, right? Like, uh, I kind of base it off, so the guy that I've learned a lot through, the guy who owns the practice that I'm at, he's pretty, he's a, he, he always puts clients first, right? So he's mm-hmm. not stuck to like, okay, you got to like do all this paperwork, you got to fill out all this information so that I know this or that, or like questionnaires and that sort of thing. So a lot of it is just interview based. Um, so I think kind of my checklist is based off him and some other like supervisors that I've had. But I would say I always like just give an introduction. I let him know the first session is going to be weird. Like I'm pretty straight up about that. I'm like, dude, it's going to be weird today. Like yeah. I'm going to ask you a lot of personal questions. I'm going to try not to go too deep. If I go too far too fast, like please let me know. Kind of like front load that of like this is all on your terms. Yes. Um, so I really like to kind of front load that first off. Um, I always tell them about confidentiality. Like, I'll never disclose, like, their information to, like, the public or whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there's caveats. Like, if there's suicidal ideation or homicidal ideation, like, we as therapists, like, are mandated by state to, like, report if there's danger in the community and try to, like, serve that person as best we can to, like, keep them alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if there's, like, child abuse or abuse of, like, vulnerable populations or older people, like, like... all that I have to report, right? So I just let yeah. people know so they can make sure they're disclosing what they want to me. Um, and then um, and then after that, I think I kind of go into family history, background, like what's your upbringing, right? Like some people like come from a, like a nice little LDS Mormon family here in Utah. Some people are like grow up in like poverty in a totally different area, grew up with parents who are divorced not whatever like whatever the family background is kind of get their social supports like it's always interesting if people have uh, a lot of social support in their life if they got friends if they're if they don't have friends if they're married if they have a partner if they don't have a partner um, all of that information plays into like how I approach somebody and what kind of stuff we're going to end up talking about and how we talk about it right yeah um, so that's kind of my checklist of like the first stuff and then the second part of the session I usually have with people is like why you're here. So is that depression? Is it anxiety? Is it um, a 
obsessive compulsive disorder is kind of like one of my specialties, right? So a lot of times it's like OCD or anxiety, and how does that look for you as an individual? Um, and then we kind of like learn about that on a broad level, and then hopefully we get to a few goals, and then I try to provide them with a little bit of psychoeducation on just like, oh, you're dealing with anxiety, here's why anxiety exists, here's why it's in your brain. Like we talk about like the just what's happening in the brain when you're feeling anxiety, hopefully to normalize it for them a little bit and just like have a little bit of acceptance of like, oh, here's your goal, here's what you're struggling with. Great, like it's normal, it's okay that it's happening to you, even if it feels wrong that it's happening to you and like we'll get through this. So hopefully instilling some of the hope and then maybe laying down a goal or two kind of at the end there. Yeah, and that's very, brings back fond memories of me. Heck yeah. Uh Sitting sitting on your couch and you telling me what anxiety is and what's happening because I do think when it happens now I'm like my my mind is very like I'm thinking like critically oh, yeah. about what is I mean critically thinking and like it could be the worst possible thing of just going 100 miles an hour but yeah. at least I have like the tools now and what you what you also provide to people are the tools right on how to deal with certain things how to acknowledge what's happening right what steps to take to kind of calm yourself down mm-hmm. um those are great tools to have. Yeah, no, they're good. I think a lot of times people, I think there's so many people that I meet and they come in and they're like, dude, I was just like, I just started crying the other day or I just broke down the other day or I just freaked out and I didn't know what was happening and I just like, I'm wrong or like I messed up. Like what what's wrong with me, you know? And so I think that explanation of like, dude, here's what's happening. Yeah. And it's okay. Like it's, here's the function of it. Here's why it's happening. And then instilling that hope of like here's how we can kind of resolve some of these things and how we can you know interact with that differently we can't take away any of those feelings but we can definitely learn to have different behaviors or interactions with them yeah so yeah 100 percent agree and maybe in we're just for anyone listening this is i think what we discuss is we can make this a more regular yeah thing to do yeah maybe i don't know we'll, we'll talk like actual scheduling everything but to to make taylor be a permanent uh fixture of the transit podcast which i think is awesome that you're even able to do that for us and uh also for reference uh-huh. taylor did have to go to his what would you call them your elders your supervisors <laughs> My and, elders. and go like through elders. the whole elder yeah the <laughs> elders uh to make sure he could even be here and to what what were you talking about your uh Code of ethics. Yeah, we have a code of ethics, like social work, NASW code of ethics. And basically, I don't like my my duty is always to the clients that I'm working with, and like I don't want to misrepresent our profession either, right? And so, I think more than anything, I was just seeking my own reassurance in that way of like, hey, like it's okay for me to go like talk about this stuff, and uh, um, yeah, I think it was a lot of reassurance for me and make sure that I'm respecting like the relationship that I have with you, right? Like I yep. wouldn't want to do anything to jeopardize that or. Like, I obviously won't be disclosing, like, information about you. Like, if you want to do that, that's on you. Yeah. Um, like, I'll always let people introduce themselves as who they are, but I don't want to impose or make anybody feel uncomfortable or jeopardize a relationship that I have with somebody in a professional aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So. And so I was thinking maybe, like, as you were talking uh, just briefly about, you know, what signs are, you know, what is happening to you, what's happening in your brain, whatever, I was thinking... Maybe we could even do, you know, in, in future episodes, not today, right. but uh, something where, like, maybe we do do kind of, like, a slight deep dive yeah. into different kind of, I mean, would you even, would you call, I mean, it is a mental illness. Right, yeah. Right? yeah. And I think um, people need to be not not scared of that word. 
Right. Yeah. I, you, go ahead. That was a, sorry. Go ahead. No. So I think we're probably already thinking about the same thing, but how do you go about telling someone or describing to them that hey, like this is a mental illness? Because mental illness is like a very it feels tough when someone says that. For sure. Yeah. From you know from the receiving end, where you're just like, holy shit, because that actually makes it makes it feel way, way more real. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm speaking from this perspective of Taylor with this one, right? And kind of like my experiences as a social worker, because I think there's probably different viewpoints on this. But I think the first thing is understanding like mental illness. I think if we thought of anybody diagnosed, like, I mean, we're all dealing with Corona right now, right? And so yeah. like you hear anybody diagnosed with Corona, you're like, oh, like, when are you going to die? Or like, yeah. whatever it might be. Not, I don't want to be insensitive by any means. But that's like, that's where my mind jumps to real quick. And yeah. so I go to the worst case scenario. When you're diagnosed with corona, though, like, you might be asymptomatic. Like, Donovan Mitchell, like, jazz star. Yeah. Like, he didn't show any symptoms or signs or whatever it might be. And some people show really heavy signs of this virus that they have. Some people show really shallow signs. So I think the same thing. Like, oh, you have generalized anxiety disorder. Oh, you have OCD. Like... That can be on a different scale for everybody, and it doesn't mean that like that's going to define you as a person. That doesn't mean that you are going to deal with the same things you're dealing with now forever. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm telling Taylor. I'm, I was trying to point it out, but I'm just going to say, can you move the mic a teeny bit closer? Yeah. To you, or angle it up a little bit. There you go. Okay, I noticed at some points. Yeah, so it was going okay. mute for a second. I just want to make sure we have all the recording. Uh, okay. So continue yeah, with what sure. you were saying. Um, yeah, so I think as far as mental health goes, just breaking down that diagnosis piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, my focus is always more on what is the person struggling with more than what does the person have. Yeah. And I think that's a good way of looking at it, and it helps me to help, one, for myself to see people as who they are, and then I think it helps the client, whoever I'm working with, to see themselves as just like, oh, like I'm just a person that's struggling with some stuff, and I'm also really successful at some stuff. Like, I haven't ever had a client who's come in and been like, I'm like, dude, you suck at everything. Yeah. I'm like, you're good at some things and you're excelling. Like, I've worked with leadership in Utah. I've worked with, I've worked with people through all levels of life. Yeah. And so everybody that comes in always has really positive things and they have some things they want to get better at. And so more than anything, I think mental illness is just saying, like, I'm struggling with something that I don't understand and I want to get better at it. More than saying, like, oh, dude, like, you're a weirdo, you're screwed, like, you can't handle yeah. things in life. So would you say that, I mean, what are the, I don't know if the statistics, or statistically is what I'm thinking of, but people that, for, for instance, are, like, just very happy-go-lucky and don't seem to show any sort of uh, struggle in life or whatever like that, and then there's people that do and, like, heavily show it, whether they're open about it or not, what kind of makes, what breeds that kind of behavior in people or would you say like mental illness is hereditary or is it something you grew up with or what's the difference between someone that nice. is seemingly perfectly well uh -huh. and then someone that's not, you know, like, and we'll say like on the low spectrum right. of like just something's wrong, not like someone you see in the streets that like you can tell is clearly struggling. Right. Like, like a heavy mental illness. Yeah. So there's a, there's a model that we always use in social work or therapy that's biopsychosocial. So there's like biological factors that play into everybody's life, right? Like what genes am I getting when I come into this world? Like what was my mom doing while I was pregnant? Like what was my, like who was my dad? Who was my mom? Like all of that is a huge factor biologically. Mm -hmm. And then psychologically is just like in our own minds, our own like chemistry in our body and in our brain. Like 
what's going on there? Is there any like malfunctions in the brain? Is there any like neurons that aren't like whatever? Like, is there just stuff that's not connecting in the brain? And then we have social. Like, what's our upbringing? Who are our friends? How have we been treated by people? Um, do we have is there been like abuse, whether that's sexual abuse or physical abuse, or have I been in the military, right? Like I saw something like that in the questions we might talk about, but like there's social factors that we've all been through that kind of shape who we are. Um, so yeah, I think that biological, psychological, and social, those are the factors that kind of like play into creating who we are as a person. And the good news I will say is yeah, everyone that is suffering with anything like there is an out right when i came to yeah. you i i'm just small reference on me i literally thought my brain was broken like right. literally like i went to bed one day and then i woke up a different person the next day yeah and it was a complete different i couldn't stop thinking it's going 100 miles an hour and then now i've been going to you for i don't know x amount of time right and i feel like i'm like thriving almost like i feel honestly better now after going through that full breakdown than I ever did and I feel like I'm more goal driven I'm successful I was able to start what we're listening to now I know as well as a yeah. like a small clothing brand and so put together cool. this cool team and I've always wanted to you know do something within uh, skating which is the community I'm part of and all of a sudden here I am like right. figuring it out as I go but sure. yeah. I guess what I'm ultimately trying to say is like if you're struggling and you feel like you're at a dead end might be most likely a good idea to maybe start delving into maybe like researching how to find a therapist, seeing, uh, you know, with or without insurance, how you can talk to someone. There's plenty of amazing resources out there. Definitely. Uh, and if you haven't checked out the heytransit.com resource center, that's a really good place to start. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's so much to do. Oh yeah. Dude, there's so, there's a ton of help out there. It's crazy. And like, I love your story. Like, and you're even going through hard things right now, right? Like, yeah. Totally. And you're still like, you just called yourself thriving. Like, that's a cool thing to hear. Because you're like, oh, I'm struggling and I'm thriving. Like, a lot of times it's like kind of that all or nothing thinking that we get stuck in. And you're kind of experiencing that thing where you have that flexibility in your mind where you're like, I can do both. Like, I can struggle and still, like, succeed at the same time. I'm not damned to, like, one side or the other, basically. Totally. And I think when I started, it was uh, mostly struggle, struggle, struggle. Right. But... Uh, like you were referencing earlier how some people are really good at some things and want help uh, figuring out the negative side of their lives. Uh, I'm just like really flexing my positive muscle that I have right now. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh -huh. It makes it a lot Sweet. less, uh, man, what's the word? When you have something to look forward to, like I look forward to seeing if an, a new order came in on transit or working on the website or Figuring out cool ideas like this to, you know, record another podcast with that can help some people, whatever else. Uh, it makes it a little easier to concentrate on the good stuff than concentrate on the bad stuff. Yeah. But then, like, we won't go into what my bad stuff is. But hypothetically, like, when you and I have our sessions now, our weekly sessions, I go to Taylor once a week, uh, we can still talk about the good stuff. And it's I think it's important to talk about the wins. But, like, you don't want to put your your losses or kind of what you're struggling with on the back burner too. So I guess there is kind of like that fine line of, I mean, we even discussed something this week where I'm really pumped on transit and there's something else going on in my life that you and I know about that are just, you know, it's there. I don't really care about it right now, right? but it's still there. And you brought it up to me like, Hey, don't, 
don't like not care about it too long. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's still got to like, we still got to work on that. Right. So, yeah, I, I always call that the cost of avoidance, right? Like it's okay. Like if we're focusing all of our life on just trying to avoid pain, then we don't really move forward in our life. We just stay stagnant because we're not willing to embrace kind of that hard and difficult part in order to move forward with things. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of transit, right? Like, you can't really reach your success if you don't face kind of those demons and some of the difficult things you're having. But it sucks to face those things sometimes. So that's where kind of therapists and friends and family and all those supports come in where it's like, hey, like, let's let's get through this hard stuff because it's worth it, right? Yeah, completely. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think we've had a pretty good generalized talk and a pretty good introduction to kind of what's going on here and what will go on in the future. Uh, we do have some questions that were submitted. Okay, yeah. Um, by uh, our Instagram followers. Actually just got another one as we're talking. And there I, we go. I'm not going to name anyone's names. These are all going to be anonymous. But I do have, this is, I think, a really good one to start with. And we'll kind of just do a small deep dive or kind of like delve into a couple of these questions. So... Okay. Uh, this user writes, in what ways does being hard on ourselves, an example, I suck, I can't do this, I'm stupid, what's wrong with me, how does that affect our bodies physically? Like, What are some practices that can help change their narrative we tell ourselves when we don't meet perceived expectations from others or expectations we have of ourselves? Also, great question. That is a good That's question. That's an amazing right question. Yeah. That's super good. Can yeah. you text that to me? Just yeah, there's, a, there's a lot with that one. So. Yeah, there is a lot with that one. I'm slowly texting Taylor all the questions, too, um, just so we don't have to keep uh, tabs on on where we're at so we can just look at our phones and, and discuss as we go. So there's that question. You should have it now. Sweet. So I guess let's, the first part of it is in what ways uh, does a negative narrative that we tell ourselves, how, does that, how could that affect our body? Dude, there's a... Uh... There's so much, like our mind and our body, we always like talk about it like it's two different things, but it's all like our nervous system, right? Like our brain does one thing and then our body is responding to that, right? Like that's our, that's our fight, flight, or freeze response is like we hear it a lot of times. And so if we hear a negative thought or we see something that's scary, like our body is automatically like tensing up, preparing for the worst. Like whether that's like tightening up our muscles, tightening up our shoulders, like breathing more heavily, like our heart starts beating more quickly. Like there's a lot of stuff that can happen real fast physically in the short term. And then if you're doing that constantly throughout your life, like that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. Yeah. That's a lot of, I mean, you go into the doctor and there's a lot of doctors that are, there's a statistic, I can't quote where it was from, but like, I won't even quote it, but a high number of people that go into the doctor, like their stuff is all stress related. And it's all coming out as physical symptoms. Um, yeah. And so I think those negative thoughts that we have about ourselves definitely um, have physical effects that we don't even notice. And then I also think having those thoughts pushes us to treat ourselves like poorly as well. Yeah. You know, if you're having negative thoughts about yourself and then you're like, oh, I just want to escape this. Like, I'm just going to go drink. I'm just going to go drink. I'm just going to go drink. And then like alcohol, you know, has a certain effect of our, on our body if we're drinking it too much. Yeah. Um, and if we're using that to escape those negative thoughts um, or smoking or even like not taking care of ourselves or putting everybody else in front of ourselves and trying to, you know, avoid caring about ourselves. Yeah. Putting other people's weight on right. yourself right. is probably, even though it's a, yeah, I'm 
not going to say valid, even though it's a nice thing to do for people to put. It's one of those things where uh, you, you can't help someone unless you help yourself first. They always say that one term, how are you going to love someone else if you don't love yourself? Oh, yeah. And I think a great example of that is when you're watching the uh, in-flight safety video before you take off. Yeah. And it's showing, you know, if the cabin loses pressure and the mask drop down, put the mask on yourself before you put on someone else's. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're showing like a parent putting on theirs first and then helping a child. Right. It's because no matter how bad you want to put that child's mask on, that child is not in a position to put yours on first. You know what I mean? Or, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. 100%. I, yeah. Not very good with my words, but the no, picture I, in my head, fantastic. <laughs> no, you painted it perfectly. No, I agree with that 100%. And, I mean, there's even, like, energies, dude. If my wife comes home and she's, like, pissed from her day, like, I feel it automatically. And if oh. I can feel it, like, how much do you think she's feeling it? And she might not even be noticing it, or she might be trying to avoid it. But, like, it's there. It's, like, in our, our bodies now, and it's in our the energy in our house and our relationship and our communication. Like, Dude, those thoughts come out somehow. Yeah. You just don't like to admit it or like to kind of confront some of those thoughts sometimes. But, yeah, they're, yeah they I definitely come out physically. I feel like you can, I mean, most people have, I'm sure, experienced where you get to hang out with your friends and you can instantly tell that your friend's not in right. the right headspace or not in a good mood. Yeah. And sometimes asking what's wrong is either the best thing you can do or the worst <laughs> possible thing you can do. Play by ear on that one. Right, exactly. But to go back to the... To, uh, this user's question is, what can you do to kind of help change that narrative? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a, these are really good questions and really huge questions. And hopefully, like, we don't skim over them too quickly because there is a lot to dive into here. Because, like, what do we do? Like, there's not a, there's not just one answer to that. Yeah. And it's going to fit differently for everybody. And every therapist is going to have some different ideas. And every individual person is probably going to have some different ideas. But, I mean, the first thing... <clears throat> that comes to my mind is like treating ourselves the way we treat other people. Right. So like, if you have a friend, like, I mean, you have this awesome community of like the transit and skating community and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. If somebody comes up to Kirill and he's like, dude, like, I'm just like super bummed out. I just think I'm a piece of garbage today. I'm not doing good. You're like, Oh dude, you're, you're fine. Yeah. Like that's okay that you feel that way. And like, I'm here for you. Like, what do you need? Let's go do something. Like we treat them really well. Yeah. So I think that's like that first principle of being able to learn to treat ourselves and recognize when we're not treating ourselves well and, uh, and just validating and making sense of it. Like if you're feeling crappy, like it might make sense that you're feeling that way for that day and that's fine to feel that feeling. You don't have to push it away or get rid of it or anything. Like mm -hmm. maybe you just like you need a hug from your mom, <laughs> you know, like who doesn't honey, like it's okay. Like you're fine. Like I still love you. Like, learning to do that for yourself and accepting that like that's not a weak thing to do I mean, I mean that's the macho ideology kind of in our community and in america is like pull yourself up by your bootstraps never have a bad day of your life like work yeah 100 hours a week every week of your life yeah. i'm like dude i can't i can't handle that that's yeah, too much not like so, that anymore. and i, I think also like uh if you're having a bad day and someone reaches out to you to try to help you because they can tell you're having a bad day, whether you realize you're having a bad day or not, yeah. is learning how to accept uh, the help that's being given and learning how to not you know, push away from someone. I feel like it's really... It's, do you think actually that's a thing, pushing people away when you're already hurting? Oh, yeah. I think vulnerability is something we all try to avoid. 
I don't know if you listen to any Brene Brown or anybody like listening to the podcast has listened to Brene Brown, but she's really good. She has some stuff on vulnerability, um, and it sucks to be vulnerable. I like yeah. even having difficult conversations with like partners or friends or family members. Like it sucks to like go in and admit that you were wrong or like apologize or reach out to somebody for help. Like going to therapy, I don't know what everybody's experience is, but I've had a lot of people that they're like even reaching out and saying, I need help. It's tough. Like that step for somebody is so relieving, but there's so much anxiety and difficulty around it getting yeah. to that point because just saying I need help and being humble enough and like love yourself enough to like admit that, like that's that's a hard place, yeah. That's definitely like a, a really good first step or important first step, a life-changing step, I'd say. Right. <clears throat> so can you, is, is there anything else that you would say about said user's question yeah um man there's a lot of places to go here so i think the place that i really like i resonate with mindfulness right so in my practice i got to talk about grounding i talk about mindfulness and i think once we get into that negative narrative there is a part of our brain that starts functioning that's not necessarily helpful and so once that part of our brain starts firing off i think us learning to observe it and being like, instead of being like, oh, I'm a piece of crap, I hate myself, like I'm no good at anything, being able to be like, oh, hey, look, I'm talking super negatively about myself. Mm-hmm. Like that's messed, like that's not even messed up, that's just where you're at. That's okay that you're talking negatively about yourself. But just noticing it rather than continuing that narrative and being like, oh, I'm talking super negatively about myself. Even if you can say that out loud, like that's a huge step. And then the second step is like, I mean, I would call it doing some mindfulness, doing some grounding, but like listeners probably don't know what that is necessarily. But basically, learning to get have something to bring you back to a different headspace. Yeah. Um, so that might be like taking some deep breaths, like going on a walk outside and listening to the next door neighbor mowing his lawn. Like that might be going and taking like a cold shower. Like just doing something to get your brain moving from one area that is functioning to a different area. We can talk more about that. I don't know if we'll go into depth about that today or if you want to go there. Or um, I think it'd probably be I a mean, good topic to like deep dive it, into. Yeah, I think that'd be a good deep like dive that. topic. But would, right. I mean, if you had to like, you know, I, I can't really, me especially, I can't really say, hey, Taylor, can you break down mindfulness in one sentence of like what right. it means? Because right. half of our sessions have been just, you know, you kind of figure out what it is and then we talk back and forth about how, you know, how I've exercised that muscle or, right. or whatever else. But if you kind of had to give like a brief description for the person that's tuning in right now or tuning in for the first time and maybe they're uh, like even like what would you Google kind of thing if people just wanted to deep dive before the next episode or yeah. kind of what would you, what would be like the, the bullet point topic of what mindfulness is? So I think learning to be mindful. So mindfulness is kind of a form of meditation So if we break it down, I'd say mindfulness is just learning to focus on one thing in the present moment and with a non-judgmental attitude. Okay. And so if people are interested in like that meditation, that mindfulness, so meditation and mindfulness are always misconstrued, I think, as like, oh, it's something that like, I like meditate and then I feel happy and all spectacular afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I've never found that to be the point of mindfulness. The point of mindfulness to me is just to get present. 
just to get back to the moment. Because you're like, oh, I'm a piece of crap. Like, I'll never succeed in the future. My wife or my girlfriend's going to break up with me. My partner's going to hate me. My family's going to abandon me. And, like, most of the thoughts that we have are not true. Yeah. They're just there. They're in our mind. And so we're running, 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 like, boom, 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 moving toward the future that doesn't even exist. So mindfulness is just saying, like, hey, bro, like, What's it like to breathe through your stomach as deep as you can? Like, see how far you can push your belly in and out. Yeah. Like, take that moment just to be present instead of continuing with that narrative. And so I think the whole idea of mindfulness is just to learn to get back to, like, the grounded position. Like, where are we at right now? Rather than continuing with that narrative where it's, like, talking crap about yourself or telling yourself how bad your future is going to be or how you'll never succeed and all the reasons why you'll never succeed, right? And, like bringing it back to the present. And what other things can someone do that's going through, uh, whether it be like a panic attack or some sort of anxiety, just to like get themselves present? Um, so there's like a lot of breath work, right? Like so breathing. And then we got five senses that we barely ever notice. Yeah. Right? Like if we even take a moment right now and we're just like, listen to the noises. Like there's a few noises going on even with us. There's like the hum of traffic. There's like the... It won't come across in the audio. They yeah. But there's like the static in our headphones. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. We're feeling things constantly, like physically. We're looking at things constantly physically. So use all of your senses to come back to the present. I think that's a really nice one. I agree. Um, <clears throat> those are the two that I really push and really practice with people is like a lot of breath work and then a lot of like using our senses that like those are so tangible and so present. Um, and it just takes practice on our end to be able to use those things, but they're always there for us to use. It's tough at first. When you were first teaching me that, my mind still wanted to move Mm -hmm. so fast that I couldn't concentrate on like, what am I feeling or what am I doing? How do I breathe or whatever else? But if you do practice, it does become very easy. I think a couple sessions ago, I was telling you something like that where I felt like I I was getting all kind of crazy on myself again. Right, yeah. And just start, you know, looking around. One thing I've been doing is like, uh, I'll pick a color in my head and then just try to find like, I'll look around and try to find like three things that are that color. Right. You know, like it's little, perfect. you can do like little, little dumb things. Of, yeah. Right. What can you feel? Go feel like, go outside, go feel like a tree bark grass and, oh, yeah. you know, a piece of wood or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter. If, like you're just giving yourself a small little task to do too, I think helps. Yeah. Being task oriented yeah. also helps too. The hardest thing about this is it sounds stupid, I think, right? Like you kind of hear it and you're like, oh, that kind of sounds silly to some degree, but you do it and it's so real. Like, they've done, like, brain scans of people who are very anxious, and then they walk them through a mindful technique. Literally, the place that their brain is functioning changes. Yeah. Like, that's the goal of this, is to change where you're functioning in your brain. It's not to do anything else. It's to get you back to that logical brain that you want to use to make good choices and to find hope. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Anyways, we can... Should we... Yeah. I mean, first of all... That was a really excellent question. Yeah, that was um, awesome. And there's more that we can unpack with that for sure. Yeah. Um, especially with the expectations, right? We kind of touched on that earlier. There, uh, I think for now, because people, the people that are asking these are going to go back and hear this. Okay. And yeah. I do have a feeling that a lot of those people are probably going to write back with follow-ups to those questions. Yeah. So I think we, we should un- – the way we just unpacked the last one was great, but I think – also important to get through some of the other ones and see what their follow-up questions are going to be because I, I can almost guarantee as soon as this episode comes out it's going to be kind of like a small flood of 
other people. I, I think this is going to help out a lot of people. Yeah. And in turn, a lot of people are going to have questions. And, cool. and maybe people that didn't answer before and saw the post that we were going to be doing something like this right. were more on the reserve side. Maybe they even clicked it and started typing and, you know, deleted it because they didn't want to. Right. But yeah. they're, now they can kind of see that where this is going and, and have a little bit more expectation. Yeah. No, that'll be good. Maybe we're saying things that people don't care about. Maybe we're saying a lot that people love, you know? So yeah. it'll be good to get the feedback and kind of see what we should dive into more deeply. Completely. Um, all right, so we're, we're going to move on to the next question. And I'm reading these all, I'm reading these questions all as they came. Um, and for a background for you, Taylor, I'm, I'm looking at the very first question. Okay. And it references uh, the name Keaton. Yeah. And Keaton Newsom is a rollerblader that passed away. Okay. Um, on his own behalf. So this is reference. This is uh, one of Keaton's really good friends that uh, messaged this question. And the, re- the question reads: As I had a breakdown slash anxiety issue last night, and was thinking about Keaton and losing him, and replaying in my mind the night we found him, which is very tough. Uh, sure. I know everyone is different, and me being a usually positive and happy person. I just wonder if that moment is going to make me break down like I do now in the future. And having a few concussions during skating, so this user has had a couple of concussions mm-hmm. during skating, uh, will it will my head injury uh, be affected with my mental health? Like, is there some sort of correlation with, with my head injury and my mental health? And I would just love to understand more. And then there's a follow-up to that, but let's just unpack that one first. Yeah, because that's heavy. Very heavy. Like, that's an experience that... I don't even know, like, barely anybody has. Like, finding super close friend like that who's, like, taking their own life. Yeah. That's uh, that's huge. So, like, whoever the user is, like, first off, validation. And, like, that is an experience that's abnormal for a human to go through, basically. Like, we don't really have a book of, oh, here are the following five steps that you take precisely in order to handle this exact situation. Like... That is just a hard one to handle in general. Yeah. Um, and then I think the second part, one of the questions they were asking is like, is this going to make me break down in the future like it does right now? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard question for me to answer in general, right? Or like for totally. this person specifically maybe? And I don't, and I think yeah. you can, and right. I, when the, the goal of this cast is like, we're not going to super deep dive into everyone's stuff. Right. A situation like this, I think it is important to find someone in your local area right. and work through these. But this is just kind of, this is a, a generalized kind of, for the sake of discussion, I know other right. people I'm sure have gone through something similar. Yeah. And so, I mean... One, everybody handles it differently. The most important thing, though, is, like, going through it, not avoiding it, not, like, go through it at your own pace, whatever pace that is, and all of the experiences that you're having are normal because you're experiencing them and you're a human, and so it's part of the human experience. So, like, it's valid. Whatever this person and whatever people go through who find, even who lose people in their life that mean something to them, like, Anything that they're going through is okay. Like, that's the first place to land because a lot of times there's criticism on, like, oh, I should be tougher than this. This shouldn't affect me this much. And guess what? Like, it should affect you as much as it affects you. 
Yeah. Because it's meaningful, because it's you, because it's personalized to you, and because you're an individual going through an experience that, like, there's not a precise way to handle it. It's just a difficult situation. Um, and so as far as, like, breaking down now versus the future, I guess I would answer this in a more general fashion of, like, not necessarily. I think that it's going to be a powerful experience for anyone who was involved with this experience. And I think time plays a large effect, especially as we go through and we process and we talk about these things, um, as we share our emotions, as we express those emotions, as we write about it, as we do art about it, as we skate thinking about it, as we continue talking about this person and like, you know, figuring our own way to, you know, pay homage to them or like remember them in a positive light and all the awesome things that you know he kind of stood for and acknowledging his struggles as well and kind of unifying around that and you know kind of honoring you know his death and supporting like the current people who are in your life and yeah finding your way of dealing with it really i don't know that felt a little rambly no i mean like i said i think for for a generalized discussion and that's a uh that might be probably that's probably the heaviest question out here i'd say um and and it's it's tough and i don't think anyone expects a miracle answer and i don't think anyone should expect a miracle answer this is one of the things where just you have to what you were saying here like you're just going to go through the motions no matter if you're ready for it or not and there's no possible way to get ready for something like this so you just have to literally take it as it comes and and learn from you know every hour every other thought and just get better at Right. Practicing and being mindful for these type of scenarios. Right. And being present, man. Like, I think more than anything, like, if this, if you're struggling, like, let somebody know that you're struggling. Let them know that you're thinking about Keaton. Let them know, like, let a friend know, like, dude, it weighed heavy on my mind thinking about him today while we were out skating. Yeah. Like, it hurt skating today a little bit. Like, talk to a therapist. Like, open up about these things. Like, go through it. Don't yeah. avoid it, I guess, is the biggest thing. And as long as you don't avoid it, I do think that we, like, the things become less, I don't know if less painful is the right term, but, like, we interact with that thought differently throughout time as we continually, like, go through that experience. Completely. Right? Does that, does no, that I mean, make sense? No, I mean, to me it makes sense, yeah. So, I mean, okay. the two takeaways I'm going to take from what you just said is don't sweep it under a rug. Yep. Um, show face with it. And then continually going through the thought, if I was going to put down an analogy, I'd say if you're uh, really scared of swimming and you're forced to face your fears and maybe like at first you just sit on the edge of the pool with your feet in the water and then you put your ankles in and then, you know, you just keep going, you keep getting used to something and all of a sudden at some point, I'm not going to say it's never going to not be a big deal, right? but you'll be way more comfortable being near that pool or being near that body of water than you would have been in the first place. Right. Yeah. Does that sound okay? Yeah. And I love the way you talk about getting in, like, you don't have to jump in and, like, go through it all at once. Like, no. if you can handle 10 minutes of thinking about it or crying about it in a day and then you're done with it, like, that's cool. And the next day do 11 minutes. I can do 12 minutes and 13 minutes, yeah. you know? Like, it's a process. It's not one experience. It's not one thing that it's over and done with. I don't think anything in mental health is really that way. It's experiencing something over and over, being present with it, kind of allowing our body and our mind to kind of habituate to it to get you know, to become more familiar with it. Our yeah. brain learns and knows how to handle it better and to, to help us through it. Okay. Great. 
Um, this user did send a follow-up question right after that question. Sweet. Let's hear it. Um, we have another friend uh, named Fritz, and Fritz was just involved in a pretty serious skating incident in Florida. Oh, and okay. he uh, you know, had some brain damage. Oh, okay. Um, which he is, like, slowly recovering from. Okay. I mean, it's a long recovery, but it's, it's going to be a recovery. Right. But this user writes, he's also friends with Fritz. I was wondering if there's activities or helpful tips to help Fritz out during his rehab process from hitting his head. I've talked to him a few times now, and I want to be there for him any way I can. Didn't know if there's any sort of way to help out with this. So what I'm taking away from that is, is there any sort of, like, uh, mental exercises that can be done from, you know, uh, a friend that wasn't part of that head injury to with, you know, with a, a person with a head injury. Right. Um, I'm assuming he's in medical care and yeah. assuming he's going through all that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if he's going through that, I would refer back to just like professional, like the doctor's recommendations. Yeah. Um, I think I'm sure that there's some exercises he's doing with his mind, with his brain. Um, but I think just your interaction and your support and your positivity is probably more important to him than anything. Just you reaching out, dude, we love you. Like we care about you. Let us know if you need anything. Like if anybody's in Florida going and being with him, saying hi to him, like just allowing his brain probably to like recognize voices, recognize people. Um, and this isn't my specialty, right? And so there might be somebody else who has a better answer for specific exercises, but I don't know of any of that. So I'd, I'd probably talk to the doctor and if, or maybe yeah. What's his name? Fitz? Fritz. Fritz. Okay. Yeah. Um, and maybe Fritz knows or maybe the doctor knows stuff that you guys can do with him. But um, I would just make sure you're there for him more than anything. I'm sure the doctors are doing what they can to, to push him through. And yeah, yeah I don't know any specific. I would, yeah, I would probably. I, I think he answered correctly, which is probably seek uh, medical advice from his current right. um, caregivers and his current situation. Right. Yeah. And yeah, just support. Maybe even, you know, when he's in a headspace to even be able to have uh, people by his side, just, you know, for skating purposes wise, maybe you can put on like a lighthearted skate video or some fun sections or something and just sit with him and watch him and right. watch, not watch him, watch the skate sections together. Just something, right. you know, something you would do uh, prior to the incident where right. I would assume like don't make so much emphasis on the incident and the injury because I'm sure the person at this point more than anything just wants to feel normal. Right. And they're struggling to feel normal again. So just make everything as normal as possible around them. Right. And have patience. Like if they, if you, if you show him a video and he doesn't remember the memory, be like, oh, dude, like, let me tell you like the good experiences that I remember from that day, seeing if you trigger something for him. Yeah. And if he's like, dude, stop talking about it. I don't want to talk yeah. about it today. Like be there with him in that space. Be like, all right, man. Yeah. Like I can stop talking about it. That's fine. That. You know, follow his lead probably more than, yeah. Perfect. Uh, we have another one coming up here, and this is from another user. Okay. Recently been getting social anxiety being around huge crowds. Need help on how to cope and find ways to deal with it. That's kind of a more of a statement than a question. Right. But I think uh, a lot of people probably go through uh, something very similar. Yeah. So uh, So general, So I actually I work a lot with social anxiety, so I have a lot of like ideas in my mind but it's hard to like prescribe anything or whatever yeah. like if i'm not knowing the person so um yeah i would definitely say again coming back down to noticing the thoughts in your mind 
like, okay, I'm nervous around these people. What are the thoughts that are going through my mind? And like really working to challenge those thoughts. Like, are these even true thoughts? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm hanging out with this person. Say like you're going to like a photo like a gallery or an art gallery or something like that. And there's going to be a lot of people there. You're like, oh, maybe I'm not going to fit in in the crowd. Um, and maybe just notice those thoughts. Like, oh, I'm not going to fit in. Okay, and challenge them. Like, why, why wouldn't I fit in? Okay, maybe that thought of fitting in is true. Maybe it's not. Um, I think most of the time those thoughts aren't true. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to fit in, or oh, they're going to judge me. Most of the time, everybody's kind of just paying attention to themselves. Like, there's not that many people that are, like, constantly looking around, like, looking to judge us, but our mind is telling us that, you know, everybody around us is looking to judge us. So um, I would I would definitely recommend, like, learning to challenge your thoughts a little bit. So there's, like, cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy, which are both really good for handling this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely look at cognitive behavioral therapy, how to challenge some of your thoughts, or talk to your therapist or find a therapist to talk to about that topic specifically. Um, and then the other thing that I would highly recommend is like, don't avoid it. Like, don't stop going into crowds all the time just because you're feeling that way. Would so you, you treat it like the pool analogy? Definitely, yeah. I would definitely do exposure. So I, I would do exposure therapy with it, which is under the realm of cognitive therapy. Yeah. But this is the difference between Taylor and I. I call it full analogy, and Taylor has to, has to throw out. What'd you call it? Exposure therapy. Exposure therapy. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I go to him. Perfect. Yeah. Great. No, I, but it is kind of the pool analogy of like going in, like go into a crowd you're more comfortable with and be there, right? And like get really comfortable, like talk to people and um, try to make jokes and try to get used to that feeling of like, oh, maybe somebody is judging me and like, just be there with it. Like, don't avoid it. Like step into it. Like you got to turn around and face that monster. You can't just bail out of it because the more and more we avoid something, the bigger and bigger that monster grows. And so the more and more we face it, as long as we're facing it, like with a positive attitude and a willing attitude, generally like we, we habituate, we get used to it. Yeah. So I definitely recommend don't stop going into crowds. Um, kind of keep confronting that. Maybe look up some stuff on cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and then, yeah, kind of use that pool analogy of like, okay, what are the steps I can kind of go through? But if you got real questions, I like go find a therapist. But, yeah, like that's what I would do with somebody basically. Yeah. So. Great. Um, we're now going to go to that military question that we had. Okay. Um, so this question reads, I'm a military veteran diagnosed with PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder yep. and MDD, which is, I think, a major depressive disorder, major depressive disorder. I felt like I'm dealing with these well now, which is great. I remember my struggles through my military time in order to compare my current life, undergrad, college student, uh, and realize how easy things are for me. However, I'm afraid this has turned me into a person who lacks empathy for my peers, I'm worried that through practice this habit and sorry, I'm worried that through practice this habit in order to make obtaining my goals easier, I'm unable to self-assess and make sure I'm fine as far as being sociable goes. That's a great question. I mean, first off, like awesome that you've kind of worked through some of the PTSD and um, depression issues that like they've dealt with. That's super cool and awesome to hear. Like, again, like that hope, like we're always searching for that hope in the world and like, yeah. we can all deal with some of this stuff. And I love that this person threw it in because yeah. always celebrate your wins, no oh, matter how small the win is. I think sure. that totally helps. Yeah. So if you feel like you're losing all the time, 
even if you do something, this is a skate reference, so Taylor won't get it, but let's say you have your little <laughs> ground rail that you're skating right now and you've been wanting to learn how to front side or something forever and you finally slid it maybe six inches and uh, maybe not a big deal to anyone else, but it's a big deal to you. Con- like concentrate on how stoked you were that you did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I love that. I think if you, if you get six inches in, that's great, right? Hey, okay, good. okay. Hold on. If I knew where the clap button was, I'd do that one. But going back to the question, we're saying – so what I'm getting from this question is uh, I'm unable to self-assess and make sure I'm fine as far as being sociable goes. And that's mixed with his PTSD and MDD yeah. as well as a military background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so and it kind of sounds like through working through all of that stuff, he feels like he's now lacking empathy for peers. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a good question. Um, I think this is something that there's so many different types of people, and I would almost be curious about like how heavy the judgment of this lack of empathy is. Like I've, I've dealt with this as a therapist, right? If I tell a little bit about myself and my own career and how I've dealt with it, I can relate to a degree, right? I haven't gone through some of the same experiences like a military veteran would, um, but I definitely think that there are things that I do to create distance between myself and my clients so that I can go home at night and like enjoy my family. Um, and I think those are, for me, those are boundaries that I kind of have to have in place. And I think throughout different times of my life, there will be different boundaries that I set with different people. Um, but, uh, I mean, for this guy, I don't think I'd be too judgmental or too harsh on yourself. Like if it's a real concern, like definitely there's a good place to go there, but definitely like, let's not let that judgment create a problem that might not exist. Yeah. Right. Like have some empathy for yourself and see, um, if this really is creating, like, is it creating dysfunction in your life? I would ask that. Is it creating, like, poor relationships? Is it messing up your relationships? Um, and kind of, like, why are you feeling that you lack empathy? Or are you just feeling like you're judging yourself versus another person and you think yeah. you should have more empathy? But, like, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe, like, you're exactly where you need to be, and that's totally fine to be there for the time being. Yeah, and I think this person will you'll recognize his question being asked, and I think... For all the things that Taylor just mentioned, if you want to do a follow-up for the next episode and you want to kind of fill us in on some of those questions that you just gave, we can unpack it a little further. But I do think this is one of those things where we probably need uh, a few more background things to to delve in a right. little deeper. Yeah, And I think, like kind of touching on that point that I was just making, everybody wants to be perfect and amazing at everything, right? Like we see a friend who does front side slide whatever it is nailed it right whatever it is you're halfway there okay i'm halfway there whatever that move is like you see somebody do it better than you and you're like oh i have to do it that good yeah like maybe you don't right now like it's okay like maybe it will come with time maybe it will come with like practice and those sorts of things and so i think a lot of times having that compassion for ourselves kind of like we talked about at the beginning here of like take some of that pressure off like man like you don't have to be perfect all of the time so much of our anxiety and so much of our stress comes from like that thought of like i have to be perfect i have to be all i can be all of the time like how would you tell someone that is struggling with that sort of culture so for instance like i think a good example would be like which is maybe it's just a utah thing but blogger culture where you have all these blogger blogger okay like you like there's all these like curated lives and these girls with perfect makeup and Mm -hmm. perfect this and perfect wardrobe and whatever else. And then there's 
regular women, you know, <laughs> right. who see this and go like, why am I not this? Why am I not that? So I guess like the ultimate question is like someone that strives to want to be something and they just keep getting inundated with so much of what they want to be and feel like they can't do it. What would you tell them to, how do, how do you deal with that? You know what I mean? I feel like right, there yeah. is like, I can't describe it. The blog culture is something I, <laughs> I, I see what it's there for, yeah, yeah. but um, I think it's like really not good for, right. It's like seeing Coca-Cola ads or something everywhere you go, where like right. you should be seeing water ads. It's like Instagram feed. Like you're just seeing highlights of everybody's life. You're like, why am I not on vacation all the time like them? And they're not on vacation all the time. Like you're just seeing their all of their vacations. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm trying to like rein back in the original question that you kind of asked. So the original the original like question to... is like I'll tie it back into the fact that uh, maybe there is some person that really wants to learn oh, how to do right. a certain grind and they can't right. and they just keep seeing how everyone else can do it and they're getting frustrated with themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. How do you beat the frustration? So first off, if it is on social media, because I think this is a huge thing, especially right now where we're all quarantined and whatnot, like mm-hmm. take a break. Yeah. Like dude, like build some boundaries with social media and your Instagram and like all the blogs that you're reading and all the news that you're reading. Like take some time just to like be without all of that stuff. Yeah. I think if we watch 20 Coca-Cola ads in a day, we're going to get addicted to Coke pretty quick. But if we only watch half of one every day, then that makes a big difference on how we feel about Coke. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. Crack open. that real quick. <laughs> I, got a, I got a cold Diet Coke right here. That was probably a bad <laughs> reference, but we got what we're saying. That was perfect. Um, so, yeah, so if it is through the media and through all that kind of stuff, I would definitely – like take a break from it, build some boundaries with it. Like I always talk about single tasking. Like if you're skating, like only skate. If you're sitting there like watching a movie, like only watch a movie. Don't sit there watching a movie while you're looking at the news on coronavirus. And then you're also like looking at everybody's Instagram feed, you know, like limit that time that you're kind of dedicating to that. That's a really good takeaway. I'm going to implement that today, actually. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. I just like, I don't think... I've heard you say that. I know we've talked about single tasking, right. but you've never said it in the form of like, don't, for instance, don't watch a YouTube video and F, you know, your Instagram feed and whatever else. Right, yeah. Because then you're just, your mind, you're you're not training your mind, you're just like concentrating on one thing at one time. Right, yeah. Yep, single tasking. I love single tasking. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, I would really learn to compare yourself to yourself, right? Like, if you're trying to learn to do your front grind, side, or side yep. grind, whatever it is, um, like document how you did on Monday and document how you did on Thursday. And if there's improvement, kind of like you were touching on earlier, like celebrate that as much as you possibly can. Like, yeah, get, if you, get excited. If you grinded for a foot and then you grinded for a foot and two inches, like that's great. Yeah. We're in that reference, I think. No, um, I, I mean, you nailed it. Yeah. yeah. You nailed it. Um, but yeah. So the, I, I guess I say that too, because I have a personal buddy, uh, here in Salt Lake that gets really frustrated. He's kind of, he's been doing it for a while. I've been skating for a while. Right. And he's greatly improved, but I think he's just not where he wants to be, and he gets really deterred by that. Right. And we all try to, like, back him up and, and say good things or, like, even give him tips, and sometimes I feel like that has the opposite effect of, like, what we think it would, the effect it would have. Right. Or he might get frustrated or say he doesn't want help. Right. Or whatever else. So I guess, like, how do you reach? I'm, and I'm sure a lot of, probably every person, every scene that this person exists in, or I don't know how to rephrase that. Every little city has its own like crew or uh-huh. group. And I, 
right. I can almost, without a doubt, say that every group will probably have this kind of person, someone that wants to be there, wants to hang, you know, with the boys or the girls or whatever, but they just, their their technique and their skill isn't there, but maybe they're, like, just too scared to progress further or maybe they need to get better at taking right. the advice or being, like, more open to criticism in, in like, in a beneficial way. Uh-huh. I can't describe it. I don't know if I'm... No, I think... I mean, my my the first thing that I go to, right? So I do a lot of mountain biking. So mountain biking is my main thing that I do. And I have a lot of buddies that I'm like, dude, like, come mountain biking. And they're like, dude, but I won't be able to keep up. Like, it's not... Okay, great I won't example. be able to do that. And, like, my first thought is always, like, dude, I don't care if you can keep up. Like, I'm not... Like, yeah. for the most part, I'm not going out mountain biking in competitions. And if I am in a competition, then, like, that person won't be in that competition with me. So, if, like... I, if I'm inviting somebody, I'm always like, dude, just come. Like, I genuinely enjoy you as an individual. I just want somebody to do this thing that I love with, which, like, sounds like the whole rollerblading scene, like, from what I know about it, which is very little. But, like, people are passionate about it. People just love doing it. The more, like, if I was like, like take me skating today, Kirill, you'd be like, great. Yeah, Could I keep good. up? No, I would keep falling over, and you wouldn't be able to do all the things you wanted to do or hit all the spots. But, like, like it's not, I guess my profession so give yourself a break and be like dude i'm improving and like these people probably are more trying to encourage me and like be my friend and if this person doesn't want to hear your criticism like it's fair for him to say like creel shut up like i don't want to hear how i should do this grind differently today like maybe he just needs to process it on his own very valid so very valid yeah so i think we're just going to move on to the next one because we're cruising through these right now. And okay. this might actually be the last question. But okay. it is one that's very unpackable. All right, so this user writes, I've been spiraling downwards for a while now, so I have nothing to lose when asking this question. Oh, yeah. How do you cope with family members who don't understand your mental health issues? That's question one within these questions. Yeah. I've spoken with family slash parents, and they all downplay the serious mental and physical trauma I've had in my life. You feel completely alone when your own blood relatives treat you like a complete loser for going through things they wouldn't even be strong enough to live through. Yeah. So I also sense some kind of like animosity. For sure, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Which is fine. Yeah, it sucks to go through a struggle and have people not care about it and not validate it. Especially the people who are, like, supposed to care, quote-unquote. Yeah. Right? Like, family, like, they should care about the struggles that we all go through. And when they don't, like, that definitely, like, is fair for you to get pissed off about. Um, so, man, this is – I see this problem a lot, actually. I think there's a lot of people who don't get the validation that they want from their parents. And I think there's a generational gap. Like the way that I view mental health versus my parents, obviously one because of my profession, but two just because of our experiences, it's very different. Um, and experiences paint a lot of things differently. More than anything, like I guess I would ask these questions before I gave any sort of answer. But like, are they open to learning more about your mental disorder? Right? Like, education is huge. Like, if somebody doesn't know what you've been through then it's hard for them to have compassion about it right Mm -hmm. and also they might not be open to hearing so that's like kind of another place but like are the people are these family members open to hearing about it if they are like you will have to be vulnerable enough to like open up to them to actually educate them on what your suffering looks like and what your suffering feels like 
Yeah. Um, I think as we share our experiences, people begin to understand our experiences a lot better. But if we never share them, then they're hard to be understood, obviously. And then if they're not open to hearing about it or anything, like, and you have tried over and over, I think it's healthy to build boundaries with them, right? Like, this is always a thing that I feel nervous telling people in general, so take all of this with a grain of salt. But like, it's almost like killing hope. Like, sometimes, like, that hope of, like, my family's going to understand, and then they're going to understand me, and they're going to support me through all of this. Like, they might not. Mm -hmm. And so it might be a process of, like, letting go the hope and, like, that push that we have saying, like, they have to understand, they have to, they have to, they have to, and just say, you know what, they might not, and this is where they're at, and that's their ignorance. Like, that's not on me, that's totally on them, that they don't understand it, they don't get it, they haven't lived through these things. Um, And then build your boundaries. Like especially if the things that are mentally disrupting your life are like, like, oh, come over for this family dinner where whatever is happening or so-and-so is going to be there and that person is somebody who, like, sexually abused you. Be like, I'm not coming over. Yeah. Like, that person, like, messed with me when I was young and, like, I don't want to – I'm not going to see him. Like, that's a fair boundary for you to build, right? Yeah. And so if the family doesn't understand it, it's fair for you to start to implement those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I went to, like, the extreme circumstance there, but I don't – know the circumstances but that's kind yeah. of some of the things that, no, that i totally deal with sense. and it comes to my mind um so i talk definitely about boundaries um and definitely opening up and being vulnerable and sharing if your family's opening to it and if they're not open to it like l- learning to slowly let go of that hope i guess and there's a lot more to go into that with yeah but definitely like building your boundaries and what is fair for you and if your family doesn't want to hear about it it's okay for you to set some firm boundaries with them of like, okay, then here are some things that I am not willing to talk about or willing to do with you guys. If you guys are always downplaying them or like not opening up to them, then I'm not going to open up to it either because it just causes me pain when you guys reject it. Yeah. I think. And find other supports, right? That doesn't mean just be alone with it. Like if your family's not getting it, like use your skate community, use your friends, use, uh, your partner use these other relationships like we we have to experience it um but if your family you can't force your family to understand it if they're not willing to yeah um so it might be building firm boundaries with them and then finding other really positive supports that can provide you some some nice uh some backup okay yeah. i agree i think yeah and everyone take advantage i mean if you're trucks go by at the best times if you if you're in the skate community and you're listening to this you're probably part of the skate community the skate community is one of the best communities i think ever and i think this goes for anyone's right on time taylor for real huh just flex i know we're here at acting camera in salt lake city we're recording luckily jacob let us use the space um whether it's your mountain bike community your skate community you have a chess club you have uh you meet together with a group of guys and play World of Warcraft or Dungeons and Dragons, whatever, your gaming community. Like, I'm sure if even if you guys are all kind of always talking about what you enjoy and then randomly one person in your group was like, hey, so this is like kind of going on. What's your opinion on this? And it might catch everyone off guard. I think everyone's going to have a pretty good time chiming in trying to help you feel better and work through it. Oh, yeah. So reach, reach out to the the... You know, maybe maybe it's not your best friend. Maybe it's your one friend who's not really sure what you're up to when you go play chess with like your other your other friend group. But maybe you know, maybe it's that friend group that can sit and critically think with you and figure out 
how to best cope with certain things in your life? I think everybody gets surprised by the overwhelmingly positive response that you get generally when you open up. So I had one client, I remember a really long time ago, and I know that he's fine with me kind of sharing a little bit of his story. Um, but he, he was really struggling with like OCD. And he was, his OCD thoughts were really gruesome. And he was like, I just can't tell anybody about this. Like, it's so scary. And as soon as he opened up to his coworkers about it, he had like 12, like, I don't think it was 12. That's an exaggeration. But literally like five people that he started referring to me that they're like, dude, I'm struggling. Like, who do you see? How do you get through this? Like, I need help. I need help. I need help. Like, like we are all suffering at some point in life and we're all kicking butt at some point in life. And so... So as you guys open up about it, I think you guys are going to see like a pretty positive response and a pretty like, like fulfilling community just in being able to talk about some of the stuff that we're all a little afraid to talk about, but we're all experiencing. It's like the elephant in the room that nobody knows exists, but it totally does. And as soon as somebody like opens up the door to that elephant, everyone's like, dude, I got some stuff to say about that too. Like it's awesome to hear when people open up and share. You probably have experienced it, I would imagine, but maybe maybe not. Totally. Yeah. We have another body that goes to you as well. And I have kind of a small list of people that I want to start going to you too. And it's mostly because I was open about my experience going to therapy right. and just being like open about going to therapy in general. And all of a sudden people are like messaging me being like, Hey, I actually heard that you, you do this. Like, what's that like? Right. Who do you go to? Or like, how do you get started? That's probably half the reason transit exists. For sure. Yeah. 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 So. No, I think every it's awesome. I encourage everybody to share what they're comfortable sharing with who they're comfortable sharing it with. I think it's meaningful to yeah go through it together. So yeah, and I and I will say only because you're in the room now. You and I have talked about it in in your at Compass right in your in your boundary. But the whole I would actually say that a big majority of the reason transit exists and it is what it is now is because Taylor helped me. So when I started going. To therapy, transit was never even like a thought in my head. And then it was just literally all cultivated within our sessions, sitting in a small, not very well decorated room. <laughs> we're we're going to fix that. <laughs> Where it started as like a little idea of like, I started kind of like getting into making clothing. Huh? And then it was kind of like, well, I've always wanted to do something with role waiting. And then up to like coming to Taylor and being like, hey, I'm thinking of these couple names. And for anyone that doesn't know, those names are either going to be Transit or Recreate. We right. went with Transit. We can go into why I was thinking Recreate another time. But just going to that, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's going from, well, this is the name. Well, what, hey, Kirill, what are your next steps? And then it's like, every, and then all of a sudden, every session, we were kind of chiming in, like, well, what would you do this week with uh, Transit? Right. Yeah. And every time I kind of, like, give, like, a little report back of, like, I did this. Yeah. And it might have been, I did nothing this week. So it might have been... <laughs> holy shit, we built a website in like two days <laughs> or, you know, whatever it would have yeah, been or, yeah. or this is who's on the team now or I got this news back or I got this feedback. So right. thank you, Taylor, for helping me walk through. I, I was going to say. Dude, you did all of it. Like you did all the work. Well, I mean, I other people that chair. listen to this, there's other people that definitely helped. And, oh, yeah. And Taylor knows if you helped, Taylor knows who you are. I've told him about every single person that's been involved in helping transit but even though maybe i thought of it and you know tori has partnered up with me and stefan helped build it and train helps print it and you know x amount of people take photos for me and and whatever else i will say like 
I should really throw you on the website as like part of the team because you really did help like cultivate what it is now. And I and I don't don't even really know what it is now. I mean, I have a pretty good idea, but I know like it's just forever going to evolve as well, and that's right. pretty cool. Yeah, it's a cool part about transit. Yeah, it's just open to a lot of all things encompassing, even. all welcoming. Yeah, I love the culture around it. Right, like just having these discussions, breaking down those stereotypes and those terrible feelings that we all feel. Um, and being like, dude, they're they're okay. Like, we'll get through it. There's a ton of ways to get through it. Definitely, it sucks sometimes. That's normal. Um, and go rollerblade as well. So yeah. It's a, recognizing it, recognizing the issue. Oh yeah. Yep. And deciding that you want to change that that boundary. Actually, what you're talking about earlier, that boundary might be like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. Right. And then all of a sudden, you have a path. Yeah. To work to work work on and walk through. But I think. We're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask every podcast I've been doing lately, I do like a top three at the end. Oh, all right. Let's so I'm going to ask you, and I didn't tell you your top three, so we're just going to go off the off the bat random. So <clears throat> top three uh, concerts you've been to uh, in no particular order. All right. So Atmosphere. Okay. He's like my favorite rapper. Atmosphere has deep roots in rollerblading. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. See? Yeah. Taylor's wearing a Rhyme Sayers hoodie right now. Did um, you know that? A lot of... A lot of skate videos back in the day had Atmosphere as a soundtrack, and he would, like, show up in a bunch of skate videos, and, like, he's done songs for videos, I think, too. That's sweet. Pretty sweet. So Atmosphere is definitely up there. Um, I went to a Streetlight Manifesto concert. It's like a ska band. I don't think we've ever talked about this, but Streetlight Manifesto was one of my favorite bands when I was in high school. Yeah. I was actually listening to Real Big Fish today. I just went kind of back into, like, a little ska Phase. Yeah, we okay. can go back to the dude. Those are some. That's some good music those right there. Really good times. Heck yeah. Ska's really fun music. If you guys have never listened to ska, it's pretty fun. Yeah, ska's outstanding. Very dancey. Very put you in a good mood. A lot of horn. If you like horns. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're fun though. Their right. lyrics are good too. Yeah. Um, then I'm trying to think what my third favorite one is. Um, there's so many good concerts. I would. Probably say uh, I went to one up at the U. I think it was like with Mattis Yahoo and Brother Ali. Okay. That was probably my third favorite one. Sweet. It's good right there. Okay. So let's go top three people that you'll never be able to see because of whatever reason. Maybe they aren't alive anymore or maybe just like, like that they're not a band anymore. Or see that I can't. Yeah. So like we could say that like uh, like a dead or alive or maybe like they just don't tour. They're not a band anymore. You'll never be able to see them. Somebody you've always wanted to see. Oh, like in music specifically. In music specifically. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, this is more like prime things for me, but mostly it's like seeing like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, like prime yeah. Time of their lives. I think those would be amazing concerts. I think a lot of people would have those answers too. Yeah. All right, you got a yeah. third one to pick. A third one to pick. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I Like Elvis Presley. Yeah. Could you imagine seeing a concert with him in it, dude? That'd be, I, with be the crowd bad. going as wild as they did and everybody, like that would yeah. be, that would be an atmosphere to experience right there, I think. That would be huge. Yeah. I would, I we did, I used to do like this color run. That was my job, like in college. I did like the color run things at a company called The Color Vibe. Dude, I used to do graphic design for uh, Run or Die. Okay, yeah. Know them? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. they were one more of our similar back in the day. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but I went to uh, Elvis Presley's hometown. Yeah. Uh, starts with a T. 
I can't remember what it is, but we went there and we did yeah. a color run there and like they have statues of Elvis and all of this stuff and eight of these restaurants with like Elvis themes and it was a heck of an environment like Are all these about years Graceland? Later. Huh? Are you talking about Graceland? No. no that's like his property. Yeah. It was uh It's somewhere. Gosh. I'll find it out Who knows? in a minute. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Uh I've always I don't know why. I've probably said this before, but one of my top which I almost was able to see again. Tupelo. Tupelo. Sorry. Here you go. Yeah. I really wanted to see I've always wanted to see Rage Against the Machine in the Prime. Oh yeah. That'd be and so I actually my uh old coworker ended up getting tickets. Uh-huh. One for me for the New Mexico show. And then they canceled their tour because oh. of the virus. So uh, that's a bummer. Who knows? It's still a possibility though. Hey, it's still on the menu, yeah. Yeah. Go get it. Alright, let's do uh top three forms of transportation. Top three forms of transportation yeah. that I enjoy. That you enjoy. So I have a, uh, I actually have two, like, 1980s motorcycles. Oh. So one's like a hand-me-down from my grandpa. Yeah. It's actually a really sentimental story, but I'll spare that for now. Um, so that's, like, number one, like, 1982 Honda XL250. Okay. That's number one. I love that bike. Um, and then number two is probably... Like my, I love mountain biking, right? Yeah. So I ride my bike around a lot of places, just like to cruise around. Okay. Um, three, I just go with my trusty old truck. There you go. Yeah. The old F one fifty. The old F one fifty, man, that thing's solid. Go for tough. Go for tough. Very All right. Okay. Right on. Cool, well, man. Taylor, thanks so much for having, uh, or for having us. Sorry, <laughs> you're very thanks welcome. For me. Yeah, you're very welcome for <laughs> me having you. No, but we'll continue great. to do this. I think this has been like a actually amazing first one good i'm really pumped on it this is taylor's first podcast yeah this is the first one where i'm just not like rambling which is great actually everyone's really loved the other ones which is good well hopefully uh i think this one's gonna really set the bar so i'm pretty excited and then we will uh keep doing this i don't know how often we can do it but we'll try to get it you know when we can um so keep sending in questions uh keep just being you and keep surviving there we go. All right, this is Kirill Brannon and Taylor Manning. And we are out. Female. I like to rip off mics and clock up dice